Cool. Oh, yeah, cool, 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 dream summer of our lives yeah yeah it's kind of crazy i realized how big of a dream summer it was uh the other day when all of a sudden what's ahead of us started to come into focus you know like with maybe uh collectively the mask thing being a thing again and shutting down and stuff and i just like was like well i lived it up while we had the chance i lived it up so much that i almost forgot that we have to re like that there was going to be a picking mm-hmm. up of that energy yeah. again and it made me feel like a couple things like i felt like i was dying mm-hmm. but i also felt like well at least i lived real good yeah there was a last week a back to square one feeling yeah you know it, we we were we had our heads in the sand all summer we were partying since space camp till now and then we're out in la and you could just feel it you know you could feel it at the airport. You could feel it on the plane. You, you got out to L.A. and you could just like feel the like the like beginning of pandemic intensity again. Yeah, because they have an indoor mask ma- mandate. Yeah, they have. They, we we hadn't had that in New York, and they have it there. So we went out there, and I was like, all right. And then we, we for some reason, we stayed in downtown L.A. for a couple of days, and it's just like fucking gnarly gnarly energy down there and i just felt it and i think we we paid attention to the news for the first time in a long time and just realized like oh the numbers are going through the roof this is happening again we were not through this it's actually fucking worse and it's like fuck it was really demoralizing uh come down but that said we lived it up and we will continue to live it up we're just going to live it up a little more responsibly now Right. Yeah, totally. That's all. You just got to be responsible, you know, just look, look, you got to look out for yourself. Obviously, that's very obvious. That's everyone's primal instinct. Yeah. But to look out for everyone else, the people around you, that takes a little more in this country. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, yeah, there's something that just kind of confronted me where, you know, when you live it up so, so intensely that you don't even think about oh you just like have this freedom of thinking about the restrictions and the constraint and the needing to be responsible and then all of a sudden it comes back and it kind of hits you like as hard as it hits you the first time this whole thing happened of like oh shit like i forgot yeah forgot (laughs) yeah that horrible feeling it's like you see someone you love and you haven't seen them in so long and you're like a little paranoid you know, like, oh, where have you been? Or, Did you get vaccinated? Or like, are you are you carrying a viral load? Or, I don't <laughs> even know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. But it seems like we're headed back into some sort of thing. I don't think they're going to do uh, a lockdown again. I, I have mixed feelings about that. You know, I think lockdowns are really bad for a lot of people. I think it's uh, it's terrible for us as people to not be around each other. It, it fucking sucks. It's, you know, and I think it leads to depression and anxiety and suicide and feeling just generally disconnected. And, uh, 
you know, I, Zoom and social media and all these things, they're just fucking illusions. They're, it, it's, it's fake. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't provide that real surge of life that goes through you when you're around people, yeah. you know? So, but we somehow, um, it, and it's not over. And I've fucking said this from, from when I'm a kid, like, you know, this time of year, like the beginning of August, like back to school, isn't it? So I'm like, no, stop, stop. It's still summer. It's still summer till for me, till fucking September 21st. Let's fucking do this. It's still summer. It's still going to be beautiful out. Let's live it up. Let's really do it. You know? See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, love back to school time. Cause <sighs> you, but it's not because like, I get anxious about having to wake up early because that was horrible. But I love like getting your little pens and your pencils and color coordinating and like the organization. Like I really get off of yeah. on it. You were, you were that, you were definitely that kid in school that like. You know, I sat next to and looked over and been like, damn, this girl's got her shit together. Does everyone have their shit in order except me? Like, did y'all do the summer reading? That like, Oh, really? no, I wasn't like that. <laughs> I didn't have my shit together like that. I just like. You looked forward to it. New, new, going fresh to start. O- Office Max or sta- Off Staples or whatever, the Home Depot, Office Depot. I don't even know what it was, but that was the best time. Yeah. Like, which pens do I want? What color are they going to be? I'm what do this year right. Yeah. <laughs> Like set myself up right. Oh man, yeah. This this time of year, when I was a kid, always just filled me with the worst anxiety. I, I just fucking. We're hated not even school. there yet. We got like a month left till school would no, start. No, I mean, I look. I don't give a shit. We don't have kids. I'm I'm not in school. I don't have anywhere to be or anything to do. The scent the scent changes though. Like the yeah. way the cut grass smells. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can like or like you can smell the leaves as they like decompose. Like as it gets into fall. Oh, I feel like we're getting so premature, but. Yeah, we're going to stay in the summer. We're going to stay yeah. in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> we started off with a real fucking dark tone. But I think it's just, it was like a reminder to us that like how much we all need each other mm-hmm. and how much like community is important and getting back to like the practices and art and, and different things. And that's like a really fun thing to uh, focus on. Maybe that's why this summer felt so special. Like every time we hung out with somebody, it was like... It was like the first time and the last time. It just felt like, right. yeah, you can feel like that all the time without pandemics. It's just, uh, you just got to apply the cheat code of staying in the moment, staying because because this moment right now, this is our life. Everything else is stories and circumstances and dwelling and all that shit. You know, this is actually what our life is. So you want to show up for that, right? Yeah. It's, and it's easy to show up when you can have the windows open and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you get to see friends and you're, the, I mean, like, I love not wearing clothes. Yeah, you do. Not, I mean, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to like be able to be like really light in what you wear and not, cause in the winter you're like bundling up and I like tuck my shirt into my long underwear and then my other shirt into my pants and then it's like it becomes the zigzag of protection oh yeah i know about it <laughs> for sure and it's so. dark out at four o'clock in the afternoon for some reason yeah like yeah all right gratitude check it's good to think about these moments because then you can just appreciate this one a little bit more no oh totally totally we're good we're healthy yeah we've had a really fun summer yeah uh, we had a major scare go through our community still kind of is when we went to LA and, and Joey stayed here and you know, he was living it up 
while he was staying here and right as we were about to come back and reunite with Joey, he's like, I got coronavirus. Yeah, man. That fucked us up. You know, that's that's when it really became real again. It's like, fuck, one of our close friends who we actually really want to be around has this and like. It just, it, it fucks up plans. Like, I think he's going to be healthy and fine and was able to like quarantine easily. But, um, and I, I just like, he had plans for this summer and it just like kind of throws a wrench in them. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, going around acting like this ain't no thing. Well, you fuck around and find out. Yeah. Fuck around and find out. Yeah. So. Do you want to talk about our adventures in L.A. a little? Sure. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd want to make that a Patreon-only exclusive or... What do you want to talk... I don't know what you what specifically you want to talk well, about. Well, we're, we're, um, we're making movies again. We're making two movies currently. One of them we can talk about. One of them is we have to remain a little bit of a secret. But um, we, we shot a movie over the 4th of July weekend. That's called American Sunset. That's going to be coming out hopefully soon in the next few months. we got to book our editor and everything and sit down and get or, all organized. But um, I, I, mean, I couldn't be more excited about that project and making movies again. And right now is the 10-year anniversary of when we were off making American Juggalo. So oh, yeah. it just feels appropriate to make another American movie. <laughs> yeah, if we, so we did that 4th of July weekend. You'll see that soon. Um, and then, yeah, we were out there working with a, a musician that we really love. And it was, such a, it was just so cool. It was so, like, just classic L.A., like, crazy. You know, we, we ended up one night in a situation where we were hanging out with, uh, like, me, you, and Mare hanging out with Tim Heidecker and John C. Riley, And, like, that was surreal. I still feel like we're about to wake up from that as a dream, you know? Yeah, it felt like you go to L.A. and you, like, do it up. And you're like, oh, that's what L.A. is about, like, hanging out with, like, your favorite actor, you know? <laughs> and we got to do that. Yeah. And that feels really cool. Yeah. Just so I, I like to have, like, very quintessential moments in life. Yeah, we're so lucky. That was like just such an incredible experience to hang out with people that you like really admire their art and the way they've gone through life. Get some so behind the scenes uh, info. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and just realize that they're normal people and they're just doing their craft the best they can. And you know, there was it was like a lot of mutual respect and it was it was really chill. You got to play chess with John C. Riley. That was a, a hilarious moment from our life yeah he just wanted to humiliate me i mean he wasn't mean about it at all but he we played chess and we had both seen the queen's gambit and mm. we were talking about that and he got my queen pretty early on because i'm like a ditz and when you haven't played chess in like a long time it's hard to keep track of all your pieces <laughs> and especially you know i lost track of the queen and Oof. something that could take it out um and so got my queen pretty early and I like tried to put my king down out of respect yeah and he said no 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 let's play this out and I was like you're just ugh, I'm gonna lose like it's just not even it's fine <laughs> fine <laughs> but it's all good it's so funny because you're yeah like I don't think most people would assume this about you but you're so competitive that's just like that's what it comes down to you're so competitive that you're like 
I don't care that I'm sitting across from John C. Riley and could probably draw out this beautiful conversation for an hour and a half. I fucking lost this game and I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's so funny, guys. He owes me a rematch. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't even know if it's competitive. I was just like, I don't want to just watch myself like slowly but surely lose my night and my rooks all my rooks i just like i was like i know i know where this is going and maybe it was a self-fulfilling prophecy but my hardest part in chess is like i don't know how to close a game yeah you know it's really hard to like i can be i can have all the pieces and but to get the the king in checkmate is um its own feat oh yeah those who play dress chess must know yeah you just need a you just need to learn um about just being aggressive late in the game and, and finishing off it's your problem in darts too you know you get you get towards where you're about to just fucking put the nail in the coffin on some motherfucker. There's and, different and types of people in this world. Those who like thrive under pressure and those that crack. And I'm just like one of those people who cracks. <laughs> you know? You killed it though. I mean, I think the real pressure wasn't the game. It was like, wow, I'm sitting across this guy who's we've seen all his movies. We talk about his movies all the fucking time. We talk about him as an actor all the time. It's just it's crazy that we ended up like just hanging out and smoking weed and introducing them to Chilcagwe and Hoppe and everything. It was just like surreal. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun, really fun time to like be in that moment where it's like, Oh shit. But then you can't help it, but no, like we're all human. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all a little confused. Like, yeah. it's not like because he's a famous actor, he never has a moment where he like cringes about something he says or does, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was so he's, but it, obviously he's like, uh, far and above like, um, a talented comedic actor. Like there's this moment where this giant explosion goes off. Yeah. Some kids set off like a fucking M80 or like 10 M80s or like a blockbuster. I don't even know what you would call that. A bomb. Yeah. And him and Scotty, our sound guy go like running out and they're like, we're going to go check it out. And then, <laughs> and then they, come, they come back in and they're like, it's okay. It's okay. We told them just one more bomb. <laughs> and I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was it's fun hanging out with um, people who have done a lot of cool stuff. But all our friends have done a lot of cool stuff. It doesn't matter if a lot of people haven't seen it or appreciated it. Yeah. It's like it made me have appreciation for all our friends and how funny they are, and mm. you know, and and also appreciate our and their anonymity. Is that a word? Yes. Yeah. 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 Because you could see when those guys came in, like you know half the group got like a little like oh shit whoa these guys are here like and they got they got like a little nervous or something i think that's how we ended up us holding the space the whole night was for some reason we weren't nervous and we were just being ourselves ate a bunch of mushrooms smoked an ungodly amount of weed and just fucking told stories and laughed our asses off like i was <clears throat> i was more nervous to hang out with tim heidecker in a way, because like, I, you know, who the fuck is that guy? Like, you don't know when, when he's fucking around, when he's playing a character, if he's going to be like, like brutal. And like, he was just the funniest, nicest guy ever, you know, so sweet telling us like totally didn't have to, but he like told us that story about how uh, he got stabbed that time by a yeah. neighbor. I remember that was like big news. That was like a national news story. 
you know, he, he, something was going on. He was living in an apartment building and something was going on with his downstairs neighbor. And he like went down there to be like, is everything okay? And this kid just came out charging him with a knife, chased him into the streets and stabbed him twice. And like Tim had to go and hide in a bar and like, you know, it, it was just like really just a crazy, intense, wild story. I was, I was psyched that he was willing to tell us that and like hear it firsthand, you know, not just through the news or whatever. Yeah, he was definitely one of those guys that I'm like, yo, I've seen so much of your stuff that I don't even know what to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like, eh, we're not going to really say anything. We're just going to hang out. I have regrets, though, because I feel like I could have, things I could have talked about or said that I just like, I was just like, uh, you know, when you're like overloaded with like imagery and memories of all the like different projects, it's like, where do I even start? Yeah. That's where, that's where I get the yips. I'm like... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> brain overload system yeah. overload <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah it's a strange thing celebrity and in la and just that that whole town operates on that machinery and it's a it's a strange thing to kind of just like be in the eye of the storm for a little bit out there it's it's definitely not my scene i appreciated like the good high times we had i couldn't be immersed in that all the time though what do you mean the LA culture of like, what are you doing? What have you done? What are you working on? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Who, you know, who are you? Who are you? What have you, who are you being seen with? Yeah. Who are you connected to? Yeah. It, it, it feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 I've always, I think we've had a hard time in LA in the past more so because it, it is the very much that energy. And then I think there's a lot of energy of people like saying like, Oh, I'll help you with this or whatever. And then, you actually take people at their words as far as like, and then they're just like talking shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just like, oh yeah, no one's going to do anything for me. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people like to say they will in LA. Yeah. And I think that can kind of like when I was younger, I hadn't, I hadn't learned that lesson yet that you got to like do it on your own. Yeah. And so I would be like, oh, and I get really disappointed. I'd be like, oh, they were just full of shit. Yeah. And like, obviously don't blame people for being, for that i blame myself for being like gullible mm. and thinking like oh it's something someone if someone else does sends this to someone it's like gonna be that's what i'm waiting for this game changing moment it's like yeah. like i don't know life doesn't really happen like that it probably does for some people and there are some moments where it happens like that but mm, yeah and the, the way our careers have gone that's why i'm glad we live in new york and we're not like you know, quote unquote filmmakers 24 seven and have to present and with that mask on all the time. It's like, no one here gives a fuck. No one's asking what you're doing or how you're doing it or anything like that. It's just kind of, it is what it is, you know, but I think it's a extremely liberating thing as an artist to realize like help is not on the way and it's, it's not coming and you got to do it for yourself. And look, you and I have been through it. How many companies, how many people have told us like, we're, we're going to fund your thing. We're going to, you know, produce your thing. We're going to get you this. We're going to get you that. None of it ever fucking plays out. The only way that we've ever gotten anything made is when we invest in ourselves. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably an appropriate path. You know what I mean? It It's like, might not be the easiest way, but it's the most rewarding, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get to make stuff and not really answer to anyone about, how it comes out or where it goes or where it premieres or if it makes money or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's allowed us to make stuff 
in a more pure way, I think. Less frustrating way. You see how I am on commercials when I don't have all the control. It's insane. It's it's so frustrating. Yeah, what is this thing, relationship? It's like, why we want control so bad? I keep coming, coming oh, confronting yeah. this energy of like wanting control and needing control. Yeah. I'm trying to like let go and release that kind of controlling instinct, you know? Mm-hmm. But then there's maybe something this that you're supposed to control. Like you're supposed to control your art and how it is perceived and what form and it takes and stuff. And then there's art that you like have to let go of and let it like, um, yeah, be have its own lifespan, like the movies and stuff. Well, it it feels like uh, you know anyone that's an actual parent would probably disagree, but it feels like parenting to me in a way. It feels like we conceive something. And then we're like pregnant with an idea or something and it's like it's forming over time and it's time to give birth and sometimes it's a laborious process giving birth to our little art baby. But then once it's birthed, you do have to start letting go. You do have to start saying, look, I'm going to I'm going to raise this thing the best I can and, and try to imbue it with as as much of my values as i can so people feel that but it's really not in my control once it's out there i can't control the way this is received i can't control the way it's spread if it does make money or if it doesn't i can't you you really you don't have much say in those things so that's why it's important to always have your next thing in mind you know like if you're if if you're focused on your next project you're not so caught up with like the reception of the last one yeah you're like, okay, whatever, moving on, moving yeah. the energy. Yeah, totally. This is that was that. What's next? I got things to do. I got things to say. I got stuff yeah. to express. Well, like we when we finished American Juggalo, we put that out, and it was just fucking positive, just really a positive thing. It changed our life. Like that day, I remember the day we put that film out. We were going to the Emmys for a previous project. That my first thing, uh, the Archive, was nominated for an Emmy. And it just happened to be the day we were putting out American Juggalo. And, like, we went into the Emmys. We lost. (laughs) We came out, and it was just, like, emails and texts and, like, notifications all over the phone, like, media requests. I remember that night you got on, like, a video Skype call thing, like, an interview or something. Yeah, it was a lot of that type of stuff. Like, oh, whoa. Like, all of a sudden, everyone knew who we were. Everyone, like, got what we were doing everything. So... I don't know, it, but we quickly were like, let's channel this energy, let's channel all this goodwill, let's let's channel this attention towards uh, a bigger project. Like I had never made a feature-length film, so that's when we started focusing on Oxiana and we started working on that and started raising the money for it and just striking while the iron was hot. And uh, yeah, went made Oxiana. It was a similar thing. It was like a it was a, it was a rough birth, you know. <laughs> It, it the, the film was being well received, but like I don't know if we were, you know. It was <laughs> no, not, it, you it was were definitely weird. not well received. <laughs> it was fucking weird. It was just like, great movie. Thanks for exposing this problem, but fuck you for making it. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, it was so weird. It was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but what got us through that was saying, "Cool, well, that one's already out there. Like, cool, people are going to react the way that they're going to react. Let's move on. Let's." And we started making cam girls. And that helped a lot. Yeah, we're like, let's make a positive movie. Or like, let's, let's make a happy movie. Yeah, let's make a, a fun movie. Yeah, something that's not just, you know, going 
constantly into the heart of darkness. And, you know, like all of our movies have elements of that, but Oxiana was really just like a true immersion in the heart of darkness of this country. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like that we exposed that. A lot of people got on our case for calling this an opioid epidemic you know there was just a lot of denial back in mm-hmm. 2012 yeah about what was going on and i think there's a lot of shame around addiction mm-hmm. and um some like a, having your town be named oxiana you mm-hmm. know nicknamed because of oxycontin you know there's but it's um yeah and, and obviously like how almost 10 years later it's very clear that there has been an epidemic that is non-discriminatory yeah. as far as where it where it lands and what communities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, especially a, like an old coal mining town where industry leaves and parents have back problems from working their ass off and then kids have nothing to do and then they get into their pill cabinet and it's also a culture of desperation and abuse and all this stuff that, um, like, I don't know, trauma, mm-hmm. the trauma of being left behind the trauma of, um, yeah, not having, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons probably that we kind of went into, but I think like it, since that movie, it's just like, we continue to understand addiction better. And, um, that was like more just like let people tell their stories. I mean, that, that that's all of our movies in a way. So it's so funny when someone gets on our case, it's like, all we're doing is going out there and listening. It's not even like we have an agenda. Mm-hmm. There, there's no agenda besides like we're making a movie but you know whatever people say to us and whatever stories they bless us with is like that's what we're going to use so it's not like we're making anything up you know it's it was it's uh it's a strange it's a strange thing but it it speaks to uh when i had to really relinquish control you know because you you remember how i was back then i'd be like someone would write something terrible about me or Oxiana or those people and I would be like cool I would be on their fucking ass I remember going hard at this the head of some newspaper down in West Virginia do you remember that <laughs> vaguely yeah this guy this guy one of his writers at, at the newspaper was just writing the worst fucking shit about people and it was just like so he was such clearly like a bootlicker like totally like corporate scum like just kind of speaking on behalf of the pharmaceuticals and like you know placing the blame in all the wrong places and i just fucking i felt protective over the people down there and i I just remember like fuck the writer i'm going to the head of this newspaper and i would just i was just on this guy i would call him i would write him emails i'd be like what the fuck are you doing you know what, what is what is journalism to you all this stuff like I was crazy. I was crazy. Like anything was going to happen, you know? So I'm, I'm learning to relinquish control. Putting out films has is is definitely been a good test of that for me. Being in a relationship with two people's a a big test of that for me. You know, that so many things, having people die, watching Caitlin have seizures. Like it's like, it's all, it's just these reminders of just like, you're in it, man. You're in it. You're not going to be able to control it. What you can, I feel like, what we can sort of kind of control is our reactivity and how we show up to moments. And if we're going to be a reactive motherfucker or if we're going to be the type of person that says, ah, and this too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the idea. It's like, what is worth getting you all worked up about? Like, is anything worth it? Yeah. But then just, it happens. 
And then you just live with that reaction, and then you try not to get in the shame loop about reacting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think what's what would have been harder to deal with than all of that, in a way, would have been indifference or or nothing. You know, the fact that that we made a movie that kind of broke the mold a little bit and made people like uh, uncomfortable. I think that was a good thing, even if it it uh, it resulted in us having some haters because of it. I think to me that's better than indifference because the hate is still love. Yeah, it's it's confronting. Yeah, it's confronting. So to make someone feel something, and want to and care enough to be like, this isn't what's going on, or this is you're an asshole from New York or whatever. You don't know about addiction. It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I know a thing or two about addiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know the the new projects we're working on, I think, um, are surprisingly you know they're they're fun and they're light and they're revealing and like especially this this American Sunset project, I thought we were going to make that you know thought we were once again journeying into the heart of darkness and we were gonna experience a lot of uncomfortable things for for us to hear and witness and film and it really kind of was the opposite you know and I think that that's gonna end up being a film about a how much this country wants to feel connected to each other again. And we don't want to be divided by the powers that be. And we don't want to be, we don't want to have every little thing politicized and us to have to decide to hate our uncles and our brothers and our mothers and whoever, because they don't stand on the same side of the political spectrum as us. That's just such an obvious and useful way for them to, to divide us. And it works and it works every time. Yeah. I mean, the the situation that we're doing now where it's like vax, anti-vax, uh, mass, no mask, freedom, no free, like, you know what I mean? It's, we're very much having to confront this, like, uh, tribal, like, kind of energy of, like, are you on my side or are you on the other side? And kind of, like, trying to surrender into that and, like, love people who maybe look at everything differently than you, but also... It's so, like you were saying about your body, your body is like looking out for you, you know, and trying to protect yourself. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, my, I mean, this has been a, tr a trend of thinking your neighbor's your enemy. Like mm -hmm. it's a tale as old as time, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's just a new flavor of that. Yeah. And it feels really real and I'm not saying it's not real. It's just, um, yeah, it feels like it's happening for a reason and that there's, uh, that and the reason is that the, we're supposed to have this time of unrest and uncertainty and fear and suspicion and hopefully on the other side of that there's maybe more of a coming together or a learning how to come together through throughout these differences or maintain connections while we're so isolated and be there for each other and and kind of like feel into what the earth and the energy of the world needs from you right now and probably needs you to be more loving and more supportive of the people in your life and i don't know yeah less in a a, a mind frame of consumption and more in one of contribution mm, yeah for sure that's what this country used to be all about you know oh now we're like the number one consumers oh yeah yeah 
with the with the worst healthcare system, the worst education, well, the worst food, the worst food, the worst fucking housing, just like the worst infrastructure, you know. And we go around, and we, we think we're the fucking best. It's insane. You know? We're compensating. Yeah. For being the worst, sometimes you yeah. know, like isn't is that kind of what the pride is about? Like this. I don't know. I think that some of the pride is like genuine and really like appreciating the different freedoms that being in America affords you. And then there's a little bit of denialism that goes in what the cost of our freedom is and how we um, maybe export some of um, maybe our free freedoms like an illusion. Because, you know, when when it not is. everyone else is free, how yeah. free are you when other people are enslaved? You know, so uh, it's yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to hear from a true patriot, as someone, an American exceptionalist, what they what they think that this uh, sets this country apart in terms of freedoms. Because I don't know, I don't know what that would be. Well, it's like I, the ability to like not get your decapitated if you smoke weed, you know, or mm -hmm. kiss a guy, or you know what I mean. There's you don't think that there's punishment for that in this country. I mean, I know that there's punishment for it. I'm talking about, like, uh, there's certain countries I wouldn't smoke weed in. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. There's certain countries that I wouldn't be a gay man or a gay woman in, mm -hmm. you know? Like, there's, you know, there, it's like... Certain places you wouldn't run around like a throuple. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be even doing that here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure it's illegal. I don't know. No, it's not illegal. It's just illegal to get married. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day about how, like... They're incentivizing marriage has been so it's it's hurtful towards the people who are single you know it's like that we don't get the same advantages as people who decide to get married and get an, a contractual obligation with each other yeah and it makes sense that we did that i guess so that people would be connected to each other and especially when men were traditionally making all the money because a woman couldn't even have a credit card or buy land or do anything that uh, to tie the husband and wife together, the mom and the dad together would help create like more stable family units so that the, the woman doesn't just become on welfare when the husband runs off gambling. Mm -hmm. But with that comes some weird fucking shit <laughs> yeah well, why isn't why is the government even in the business of caring whether we pair off you know why 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 is the, why are they in the business of incentivizing uh child having children well because they want to incentivize you birthing another consumer yeah so that there's more people who are buying xyz going to like they it's the com consumption creation capitalist machine being yeah. like yo this is only going to keep going as long as we have consumers. Yeah. It's in slaves. Yeah. I'm really starting to get a little anxious about the direction we're headed with the country, like all of the real estate being bought up so that it's going to be mostly renters now. And so we will end and that everything's subscription based and basically like there's, and then talking to your parents about, they can't really downsize because you used to be able to like downsize to a condo that was like more affordable. And now they've built all these like really expensive condos. So because they want like everyone's full retirement, they're like, oh, yeah. oh these baby boomers are going to have so much money. Let's get it all. And the baby boomers are like, well, I don't want to give all my money to uh, like 
one bedroom condo or yeah. whatever it is and so now we're in this place where um i don't know what's gonna happen and I i'll don't know tell you exactly okay. <laughs> i know what's i mean it's pretty obvious what's happening is like this happened in 2008 you know we went through a financial crisis and um instead of bailing the people out we bailed out big business and hedge funds and uh that's when it that's when this started you know hedge funds buying up all the real estate that they could at 30 percent over what people were asking so people like you and i wouldn't even be able to uh, get into a bidding war with another person it's like we're against blackrock yeah you know one of the biggest companies in this country and um so that happened in 2008 and it, it already started this problem and you know what they say you can't waste a good crisis so they uh, again you know this crisis happened pandemic happened and there was an upward transfer of wealth of five trillion dollars to those hedge funds those companies like blackrock that are now going around and buying up all the real estate and um if you don't think it is a coincidence that they let the eviction moratorium pass without anything and both sides both sides it's not like your, your girl aoc did anything they're not fucking doing anything they're sending tweets but um do the math who put those people there who got the upward transfer of wealth and then these people throw their hands up and say oh you couldn't get congress to pass an eviction moratorium yeah right you guys were all in cahoots to begin with and now you see the the slow and steady conversion of homeless people into slave labor you know they're doing it in LA right now they have they have cops going around on horseback ticketing homeless people for being homeless it's crazy and that that's just a pipeline into getting them into the system and getting them uh, incarcerated so we can use them as slave labor because that that was a little uh that, you know, just a little addition to the 13th Amendment that slavery is allowed if somebody's committed a crime. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and now the crime, people. We've criminalized, we criminalize homelessness. We criminalize survival. We criminalize everything we can criminalize in this country. And it filters them right into the biggest, uh, the biggest population of incarcerated people that's ever existed in this world we have currently. And what are they doing? They're working for, you know, five cents an hour making stuff for us to consume. And, you know, this is just going to get it's just going to get more exacerbated. It's just going to get worse and worse unless we really stand up and do something. And this isn't about electoral politics. This is way bigger than electoral politics. This is way bigger than getting than voting in more progressives. Like, get the fuck out of here. That is not the way to do things. The way to do things is to leverage our power. And what is our power? We work, right? Don't work. Stop. General strike. Don't pay your taxes. We will fucking change this place overnight if we leverage that. But people are too scared. People are too divided. Yeah, it's a lot to ask people um, who, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck to not work, you know. Yeah. It's that's a lot to ask or that they have kids to feed and stuff. It's just, I mean. Well, this is where we got to have solidarity with the people that are in the lowest positions in this country. And you got to say, like, like you were saying before, how could I think I'm free if there's people that are locked up? How could I think I'm free if there's people that are homeless? How could I think I'm free if there's people working for fucking five dollars an hour? You know, like, how could I think I'm free? Why? Because I got mine. That's that's the thing. It's like 
we're we're a country full of people who realize that the system is fucked up and that it's not on their side and instead of doing anything about it pretty much most people's reaction is let me make enough money so it doesn't apply to me you know and uh, you know that that's basically how we got free but are we really free <laughs> no getting fucking overdraft fees we're, yeah shit. exactly we have no money all <laughs> We have no money. No, we don't have no money. Okay. <laughs> we're not like, it's not total desperation. We're just, our money's not really ours. We owe it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, fun. <laughs> Two people who didn't carry any college debt, who did everything right, who made good money, who started their own business, who did who did everything that we could do. You know, we've, we've been entrepreneurs, you know, we've we've made investments in the right places and the right things. They shut down the economy for a year and a half. No relief. None whatsoever. What did they give us? Did we even get the $1,400 or whatever? Like We did. I've checked. Okay, great. That really so was. So we got $1,400 to compensate us for a year where we could have made two, $300,000. Yeah. Know? Well, that's where it's like, oh, okay. Where's my taxes going? With this upward... It's, they're, they're going to the wealthiest people in this country so they can sure up all the real estate here. Yeah, that's where it's like, how, when when power is shifted, like, it's really hard to take power away from someone. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really hard. When someone has the power to buy all the real estate, like, there's no really undoing that. Like, they're not going, they're not going to be like, oh, you have to just uh, give up these properties you bought with all this money. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, that's gone. Oh, it can happen you know but and and everything's in place for it to happen but uh, we don't have the people representing us that would ever do anything like that and we're not going to well that's because also because they have the power and the lobbyists yeah. have the power and yeah. the it's like once they have the power it's really hard to like be like no don't yeah. use your power to hurt the people yeah and yeah. for self-interests yeah well, I think if you if you really start thinking like a real revolutionary, you you got to realize that the places where our battles cannot be won, and electoral politics po- politics is one of them. I really feel like one of the few things we can leverage is our labor. And uh, you know, there there is a, a there, there's the planning of a general strike going on for October, and I think how we all got on the same page last year with the George Floyd thing we got to be thinking like that we we got to we got to make it a bigger tent for everyone to be in no matter what your political beliefs are we're all getting fucked we're all getting fucked here you know yeah is there's something that's hard for people to recognize that if they feel like their president is you know their president you know if they voted for the guy who's in they're like that's the worst it's very, it's people like get short-sighted and think like, oh, like all these things that are fucked aren't as fucked because I'm just happy that like there's someone. At least it's not Trump. It's like, okay, what what did you hate so much about Trump? Mm, kids in cages. Okay. There's twice as many kids in cages now than there were under Trump. We probably don't call them kids in cages anymore, right? You know, the media changes its tune real quick. You know, we, we bombed Somalia three times last week. Joe Biden. Why? Why did we do that? You know how much that probably cost? Billions. Billions of dollars. Homelessness could be solved with $20 billion a year. Other countries do it. Cuba, who we want to bomb, doesn't have homeless people. You know why? They take care of themselves. They take care of each other. 
in the face of our embargo, in the face of our crippling sanctions, they managed to provide housing for all their people and health care and vaccines. Vac- they have a vaccine for lung cancer. They fucking train American doctors for free as long as those doctors commit to coming back here and serving the poor population. And we want to bomb them and we want to overthrow their leaders. And we want to make up fake media stories so we can get our paws on on uh, an independent country that is in the face of all of our bullshit making it work as a socialist country 90 miles from our shore. And that's a big threat. And it always has been in any country that starts taking care of their people. You can guarantee that the United States is going to come on and try to inflict some of our democracy on them. Anyone doing it. Venezuela. Why are we so interested in Venezuela? Oil. Yeah, I think they have more oil than Saudi Arabia. They have the most oil in the world. You know, and what do they do with it? They don't let our companies come and get it. At all, they use it to take care of their people. And look, I'm I'm not saying that they're that these leaders are aren't flawed like any leader would be, but I'm saying the standard of living, the basics, in in these places are taken care of, and we're just like left to our own devices. We don't have fucking national health care. What a joke. We're the only country in the world that doesn't provide that for our people. It's, it's a fucking joke. So if you think about where your tax dollars are going to, 60% of it's going to uh, the military and to bombing innocent people in Somalia and uh, Afghanistan and Syria and anywhere else. The seven, eight, nine wars I think we're currently in. Most people couldn't even name them, you know? We just feel better because Joe Biden's in there. That's called being shit-libbed. Shit-libbed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, when, you, when you're shit-libbed is when you're just, uh, you know, taking your orders from the party, from the Democratic Party, and from the corporate media arm of the Democratic Party. That's, that's called being shit-libbed. It's when you yeah. really don't have any, any values that you stand on. You just take your orders, you know, this person's good, that person's bad. Even if they're doing the same thing, even if Joe Biden is worse as a president than Donald Trump. So many people have been shit-libbed that they're just like, cool, whatever, I don't give a fuck. It's not true. Yeah. Well, that we've been, um, there's been so much uh, misinformation that when something real is going on, people don't trust it. Yeah. You know, they're 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 more interested in talking about um, th- there's like real things, consequences of getting coronavirus. And people are so obsessed with the potential of what the vaccine is going to do 10 years from now. And I'm like, but what about the thing that coronavirus is doing to people now? And yeah, uh, already is happening. It's uh, there's this like it's hard to it's hard to see both sides of the coin. It's you all of a sudden you just like want to consume um things that are opposite of the dominant narrative but sometimes if you create this like demon and you demonize it so much you kind of it kind of hurts you more than it maybe should or would if you can't like uh absorb information and like critically think for yourself and and look at all of it mm-hmm. holistically and i'm not saying i'm good at doing that oh no i don't i don't blame people it's fucking confusing as hell yeah it breaks my heart seeing these stories left and right people on their deathbed in the hospital saying like 
I wish I got vaccinated. Uh, yeah, I wish I would have gotten vaccinated. Like, what the fuck? I was stupid. I got caught up in this, you know, th- this moment or whatever. And, uh, yeah, look, I was not the happiest person to get vaccinated. I don't think you were either. We did what we got, we, we had to do. And it wasn't even necessarily for us. It was for our community. It was so we could see my parents, so we could see your parents, so we could hang out with my sister who has no immune system. Yeah. She couldn't hold on to the vaccine. She got, she got vaccinated and she, and or she couldn't even hold it. That's how compromised her immune system is. So we just got to do the best we can with the information we have to look out for our our family and our community and ourselves and we made the decision to do it and part of that was based on for me like understanding capitalism and understanding as paranoid as we want to be uh pfizer and moderna and johnson and johnson and whoever else is developing these things they're trying to get the workforce back they need their slaves back at work they we you know we need people to get back out there consuming again we can't have the workforce die off so to me i'm just like using my logic to say like I really don't think that they're using this vaccine to poison us I think that more than anything because they're grasping for power they want fucking things to go back to normal the way things were so that's part of the reason I have a little bit of trust in this thing and the the other thing is the obvious like just looking at the numbers and saying okay uh, 165 million people got vaccinated in this country three died 620,000 have died from coronavirus, let alone the people that are stuck in permanent brain fog, don't have their sense of smell or taste. Lose a month of being able to work or a couple weeks or not even work, just like be a person. Yeah. Yeah. The erectile dysfunction that's going on with men, like, fuck that. That's all I need to hear. It's like, I'm not getting coronavirus. (laughs) One, apparently one in three um, men who have had coronavirus or suffering from erectile disease. Because it does the tissue thing that it does to your heart. And then like it, uh, yeah, supposedly, I don't know. I didn't you didn't say anything just now. Just say what you wanted to say. How it's affecting people's hearts. Like it's weakening the tissue in the hearts. It's also doing that, I guess, around your dick. Johnson. Dear Johnson. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, it's having known people personally who have gotten this and having to deal with the symptoms. It's not just like, Oh, the articles or oh you know it's like i you gotta like not be so distrusting of everything i think i i can't live like that oh no living in a state of fear and paranoia i mean i think the thing we've talked about before which is a powerful life hack it's it's like having the cheat codes is like when you're paranoid try to convert it to pronoia and just be like what is this how is this for me how is the universe conspiring on my behalf right now What's what what about this scenario is begging me to wake up is begging me to shed former versions of myself that no longer apply to this world. You know, the more judgmental, individualistic person who doesn't think about or look out for community, who doesn't, you know, consider those things. Is this your moment of reckoning? Is this your wake up call? Can you be pronoid instead of paranoid? Can you look at your neighbors as your brothers and sisters as opposed to your enemies? Like, let's get real. I just want to have a good time. Yeah. I want to go. And I think that sometimes it's like everyone's going mask free. And and I think sometimes people who are not vaccinated are like, oh, not not remembering that, like, they're not vaccinated. (laughs) Like, oh, you know how everyone's like being super social and hanging out because we're vaccinated. Yeah. It's because we we're we're playing the odds. And uh, look, we could still get sick, but it, 
the odds are greatly in our favor to not. I got to live up this summer. Summer's still going on. Still I will, going on. I will cling to it. I will cling to summer. We tr- we've tripped so many times this summer. Um, it was a real lysergic summer for me. You know, it started with uh, taking that drop at space camp and fucking wow, wow, like tripping so fucking hard that I couldn't believe it. And uh, you know, Mayor said at the beginning of the summer she was like, "This should definitely be like an acid summer," and I was like. You don't have to convince me. Let's do it. A lot of other stuff has worked its way in there. You know, we started working with mushrooms a little bit more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this stuff is just, it's tuning us. It's tuning us to, when, when quarantine first started going down, I was scared to take psychedelics. And now I'm like, yo, they're a necessary part of this. Right. Because they drag you kicking and screaming out of, you know, the story that you've concocted for yourself and into a bigger story. You start to see the forest through the trees, you know, if you're, if you're using these things in any kind of intentional way. And, uh, so it's, it's made me feel less, uh, victimized. And I, and I, I think that's, that's one of the, um, one of the main cultural currencies that keeps our, it keeps us so stubborn and stuck in our ways is that it, Across the board, everyone in this country is just looking for their their little claim to victimization. Everybody is looking for that. Like, and look, look, we're sitting here saying it about us. Like, look, what, we're fucked. We just went out of business because of this fucking. <laughs> Everybody's looking for their sob story, for their claim to victimization, yeah, all totally. this stuff. You know, everybody is. Groups of people that you know that are oppressed and that aren't oppressed, and the oppressors are looking for reasons to be victims, and everybody is. Everyone just wants to cling to some sort of victimhood, and to me, it's a cry out for love. It's a cry out for attention. It's a cry out for connection. And uh, why don't we get more to the root of the issue, as opposed to that knee-jerk American reaction of "Oh, we're victims. We're victims," because that victimhood mentality is what keeps us having a gun to the rest of the the world's head. Right. You know? We're so fucking scared and paranoid that we need to have a thousand military bases situated throughout the rest of the world to make sure no one does anything to threaten our freedom. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We're the victims of, of something going on in Vietnam or the Cubans taking care of their people. Or uh, or or Venezuela, and their and their elections, you know, what wh- what are we doing in Afghanistan? What were we ever doing there? Guarding poppy fields. <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. So, it it it's it's that that low fucking frequency instinct to go into the woe is me. Look at how I've been victimized. Feel bad for me. Because I can't do anything for myself. <laughs> you know? Well, that's where it's like going to the pronoia of how is this happening for us. I feel I feel like this whole period has opened things up. Like we're now on YouTube. You and I, yeah, for sure. There's different things. We're, we're dancing with what... You dance with your hands. And when your hand changes, you get to, you get to play it a little differently. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's uh. I just think right now we're being called collectively to be there for each other because like let's enjoy the last of summer, but know that like keeping your practices and being um, 
whatever it is motivated in the areas to stay connected with your family despite maybe upcoming isolation or your friends or with art or whatever it is like these this is going to be challenging for a reason but we're going to get through it and we're going to have immense gratitude for it on the other side so mm, yeah um, probably somewhere around 2023 <laughs> Jesus Christ. which which makes sense if you just look around and you're like how long is it going to take to get through this it's like that makes sense but also like mayor's been saying that since the day we met her like 2023 is when things are going to pop off when things are going to feel a little bit better and normal well she's again. setting a high bar so hopefully 2023 can live up to it <laughs> it will yeah. it will for sure yeah we're like you're saying we're gonna get through this it's gonna be all right you know we gotta we gotta be fucking smart though we gotta be smart without being righteous we have to listen we gotta we gotta learn to listen to each other a little bit better you know and not just the words but where are they coming from and what does that mean and i think like it it helps uh reinvigorate your compassion when you're not just trying to write every motherfucker off mm-hmm. and you're not looking to just compartmentalize somebody and their essence for for your convenience so you can put them in a, a nice tight little package and and put them away you know if we, we have to like i'm saying zoom out and you know any any time you're you're looking at a person that you want to write off or roll your eyes at or this or that 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 could be your guru right there that could be the person that fucking pulls you out of the fucking darkness you know yeah well and then every time you do that it's like you have to confront the karmic energy of like if you think someone's wrong and then all of a sudden you get hunting your high horse about being right it's then all of a sudden the news changes and it's like oh not what you thought was going on is going on and it's Mm -hmm. like very humbling period to to think to try to think you know what's going on when the when the truth of what's going on is like very questionable and i guess it always has been Mm -hmm. um and you got to do your best and you got to look out for yourself and other people. But it's also one of those things where you're like, what? Like, I get so overwhelmed. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Breathe <laughs> and yeah. listen. Yeah. Just listen more. Listen better. You know, a lot of times that stops me in my tracks. Like, you know, you and I both started getting spun out the other day. And I was like, I got to listen to my breath right now. And I listen to my breath and it just tunes you into this moment. And it's like the what the fuck's going on turns into like you're looking around and you're like, well, actually, I'm fine. I'm well fed. I'm in my nice apartment in New York City. Uh, my girlfriend's here. We're hanging out. That That's what's going on. Right. This, yeah, this is, is what's, what's going, going on. on. Yeah. This is what's going on. And that calms me down. And what can I do to make this better? Right. What can I do in this situation so we can maybe both raise our frequency together so we have something to offer you know because this is what's going on and we will be confronted with all kinds of other things but right now this is what's going on and i'm safe i'm cradled by the universe and i am the universe (laughs) and i'm here for it you know yeah yeah i guess that helps me but also like things that things are supposed to go wrong sometimes you know what i mean hell yeah like it's not supposed to be easy street all the time and that's where the growth comes and that's where learning comes and that's where gratitude comes and sometimes when you're in that period of things being chat more challenging it's really easy to want to resist it rather than to go in and through it Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just it is what's happening 
and it's impermanent, luckily. I think uh, if you choose to see it that way, the universe is conspiring on your behalf. If you choose to see it that way. You know, the other night when we were leaving that, that little party where we hung out with Heidecker and John C. Riley, we were leaving and like we were shot because we're on LA time, whatever. I just wanted to get the fuck out of there so bad. We're about to pull out and then I'm like, oh, we're not going to see Scotty for a while. Our sound guy, like, <clears throat> let's say, let's just, let's just fucking say bye to him. And it was like dragging on. And I was like, this is so weird. We're all so shot or whatever, but like we're showing Scotty love and we're, we're saying our byes and you know how bad I hate goodbyes yeah. and doing all that. But we were doing our thing and I was like, you know what? Just show up. Scotty's been so good. Like, let's just, let's just show up and like, you know, download the night with him, whatever. It's exciting. We probably hung out an extra five minutes. We leave and, uh, you know, we're going home and both sides of the road we were going to leave on were destroyed with cars that had just like a tremendous car accident went down probably while we were sitting there talking to Scotty because there was no one there yet. It was just like we heard the ambulances and the cops coming from behind and everything. We would have been in that car accident. I, I know it. It was, it was on our way home and it was a car coming in the opposite direction and it looks like they just skid off the road and they went through the thing and went airborne and just like crashed in these rocks and took over both lanes and there was other cars spun all over the fucking place. Something was compelling us to hold on, slow down for a second, you know, show Scotty some love, take your time, there's no rush, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And, and instead of being annoyed that I had to do this stuff that was a little out of my comfort zone once I realized that went down I'm like this is what's happening all the fucking time and it might not be as extreme as fucking near-death experiences or whatever <laughs> yeah but I, f I feel like the universe is conspiring for you in the sense that it's begging you to show up and see how magical it is it's begging you yeah that's why like I don't question when I get like an instinct when it's like, Hey, text whoever, you oh. know, like it's like, don't question it. Just do it. Just do it. Like when it's like, Hey, Oh, there was something the other day where like just the timing we got home or we were leaving or something. It's just like you run into people on the streets and it feels like I'll be like, Hey, you want to go for a walk or something? And it feels like so arbitrary about when and where and what direction we go and what we're doing. And then all of a sudden you run into someone, you're like, Oh, I guess that instinct led to this moment being possible. And like, yeah, it's like little wow. angels whispering like, Oh yeah. How many times has that happened to us? Yeah. Where we're like, let's go down this block. We've never been down this block. Oh my God. There's delicate Steve. Oh shit. Now we're hanging out again. And now like we're, you know, like, holy shit. It's just this, all of a sudden our, our, our friendship's back. And, and then we ran into this person or. Yeah. And that's where life feels like you're kind of getting more in the flow of it when you're not like thinking so hard about what you're doing and more like feeling called or like little things are like, okay. Like, oh, oh, I just got an urge to, like, do this or do that or whatever. And you just, like, kind of, instead of questioning it and overthinking it, you just, like, go with the flow and let life take you. And then you kind of feel like you're on easy street. You're on this, like, you're flowing in the stream of life rather than, like, up against a rock looking at all the other rocks being, like, yeah. which way do I want to go? I want to make sure I don't hit that rock or hit that rock. And mm. I got to make sure that this, I get on the faster um, ramp or whatever yeah. it is. And sometimes you could just be like, ooh. 
oh, oh. Yeah. And I kind of like that. It, it's also like tapping into, like, it's like riding the flow of life, but like the the breadcrumb trail is like the flow of love. Because I, I just think about the most magical, cosmic, synchronistic moments of our life have happened, you know, when we're so deeply in love and we're honoring that in that moment and you can just feel like our magic and okay cool let's stumble into this bar who's this guy about to play johnny corndog who's this guy oh pfft. let's hang out with him let's yeah. become friends let's make a movie now we met this person now we met that person now we're making american juggalo because of that from stumbling into a bar one night and just we were, we were just in that cloud of love and really present and in the moment because, you know, when you're when you're newly in love, it's just like let's take this in. You know, I'm obsessed. Whatever. You're not you're not concerned about what's going on before or what's going to happen. You're very much right there. That was that's you know. And the same thing when you when you're when you're deeply in love with yourself, and you're and you're honoring every moment of your life and you're following your breath and you're going around and as an extension of the universe so everything is you and these rose colored glasses kind of can apply to everything and like an excitement and kind of like when you're looking for cosmic winks or certain numbers mean something to you like i've just added numbers that are significant to me like hell yeah have, like the house number whenever it like the house i grew up in has a house number and whenever i see that time on the on I'm like, oh, I think of my family and I just have like a sweet moment where I oh, like yeah. honor my family. And I've just like kind of throughout my life, like planted all these seeds of like positive messages that kind of like hit me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, look, that's that number. One, four, three. Oh, I love you. And then, you know, when everything's like get a little excited about things and you're not um, skeptical or judgmental, it's like that's when you do walk into the bar and you are like, wow, what this is. This is well, look at this local artist. This is amazing art like oh and then you're inspired and that's where you get really birthed is like having ideas and when you have ideas you might not be rich in the bank account but you're rich in your soul Mm -hmm. because you're rich in what's possible like an idea of what's possible makes me feel so rich yeah and that's where you know the idea of doing church of chill as a, a consumption site and really um starting to move our energy towards also filmmaking, but also focusing on like expanding a vibe to have a physical space that holds it. And ooh, what could what could be in that space? Oh, oh, I connected. Someone wrote me about that they make these murals and that they want to do a mural in the Church of Chill. I'm like, well, fuck. Now I have to do this. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, here's an option, a possibility, and that's what these ideas really afford you is like a creative space to throw all your creative ideas and like allow creative ideas to bubble up. Oh, what's possible? What would this be like? What would I want to do? What, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, t- it takes you out of the scarcity mindset. You know, that's what possibilities take you out of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the scarcity of possibilities. Like when you have an idea, it's like, Oh, a new portal opened up. Who knows what the fuck this could lead to, you know? Right. Yeah, I think that's what the podcast has been is like, who knows what we're doing? But like you no. you create a openness and a birth and it just like kind of you chug along and you're like, OK, I'm meeting a new person as I put myself out there. And then mm-hmm. this person is turning me on to this thing and letting me know about that. And, oh, I guess I was supposed to connect with this person because I was supposed to know about this or have this moment where I go through this journey or. Yeah. Or, or like shit we got nothing going on what what's happening in the city tonight oh uh there's this this psychedelic saloon going on where people are gonna be telling mushroom stories we see nick powers 
there we say do you want to be on our podcast he's become one of our dear friends he's the most the person we've had on this podcast the most we've envisioned the future together like we're going to be homies forever like from us being so like kind of grounded in our love and in the moment and open to possibilities and open to new things like the universal gifted to you just show up yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm can think of a million things. And even just thinking of that, talking about that, given how much time we don't go out, I'm like, man, think of all the people we haven't connected with. Well, this because is us we going out. Go out. No, this is, this is it, you know. <laughs> people that hear this and can connect with us from across the world or wherever, write us a little note. Next thing you know, we're hanging out, getting high. Yeah, we're, we're building new ideas about what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's it's super fun, and sometimes I forget that it's fun, and sometimes I think everything like we did a what we thought was a microdose the other day, and it ended up being like a very strong experience. And you were saying about mushrooms that like they are the integration. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to, yeah, you have to integrate a mushroom experience and stuff, but like while you're on the mushroom, it's in, you're integrating like the high of your life with all of the so the, the like the inherent death and uh, that's happening. That like, and there's something about these mushrooms that are like alive and dying at the same time, or like they're mold or whatever it is. I don't know the science of it, but the experience of taking mushrooms, you can become very attuned to life, but also death simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it can kind of like pull you in different directions, or you have a moment of being high and giggly, and then all of a sudden, like, wow, I'm I'm going to die. I am dead. What's going on? And yeah, it's real. It's yeah. really real. Yeah, it definitely. Um, it hit me on this mushroom journey like you know because there's a lot of talk about psychedelic and integration and how do you integrate from these experiences and i'm like how do i integrate from my high-ass life i take fucking mushrooms and it's forced integration right yeah and it's you know that was a fucking rough experience for me (laughs) you know like fucking Mowgli, the dog was worried about me like like it was rough rough going you and mare are fucking you know mushroom goddesses and you you handle your shit and uh, until i didn't anymore yeah you had a you had a little bit of a rough go i mean i th- i do still think it's better uh you know the fact that that like what what i thought i was taking a microdose and i was just gonna be able to carry on with my day and it hijacked my day and i, I ended up t- it, it was a way more than i thought i took i didn't understand how how potent the, the chocolate was and I always have this thing in my head with mushrooms um, and chocolate that, like, if they're in chocolate, it's like it's not as real. You know, it's like, uh, what do you? Well, there's an eighth in this. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's not gonna hit me like a like a real eighth of dried mushrooms would, but it did, and uh, took over. And I kind of fucking, I would still prefer that than uh, the opposite, where I take it and expect an experience, but it doesn't come. You know, I would still prefer to kind of, you know, I don't know, what would you call what I did to myself? Puddle myself accidentally. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think you would have done that if you knew what you were about to get into. So I didn't even like like the idea that we were going to take mushrooms that day. I, I, you know, you and Mare were talking about it. Like, Mare was like, oh, we should micro. And I was like, acid. And Mare was like, I'll do either. And you were like, mushrooms. Well, I was kind of like, like, I'll do mushrooms. You guys do acid. Like, I didn't need it to be. Well, it was a fucking scene. Yeah. It was a goddamn scene, man. It was, uh, whoa. I haven't felt like that in a long time. 
I, I really, it just fucking took me into an indescribable kind of hell. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a fucking asshole. I'm an idiot. It, it was, it was just uncomfortable. <laughs> just fucking pure uncomfortable. And I was like, I remember being like, I guess I'm going to try to purge. Like, I feel like I need to do something. So I'm going to go try to purge. And I just, nothing would come out. You know, there's no messages of like, like I have been being so healthy lately, you know, it's, mm-hmm. th- it's not like, well, you dumbass, you're eating like shit and here it comes. Or like, there's, there's nothing like the, the main thing that kept coming up was like, I've been a fucking savage to you and Mare at times and like fucking been out of control with my, uh, I don't know, just judgments and shit. And I think that was kind of around somewhere, but it was way bigger than that. Like that was when that stuff would bubble up something I could actually like, even though it was negative about me when that stuff would bubble up, like, yo, why were you so mean to Marin and Cass this week? Like that was a relief. (laughs) It was a relief for something tangible to to, to be the cause of this. Like, like I I was like, okay, I I could do that. I'll I'll deal with that. I'll be better. But it wasn't, it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It was super existential and like, you know, yeah, like you're saying, we're already dead. Yeah, yeah the mushrooms remind you. Yeah. Like, because you think Spooky. that... I was just thinking, like, oh, I've just had the best summer. And it's like, yeah, you aren't even real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you aren't even fucking real, are you? <laughs> yeah, that was that was gnarly. That was really gnarly. But it also has this feeling of, like, reminding you that, like, the way you are during your high moments and how you treat people in your life, like, it's coming back to you. Mm, yeah. You know, for sure. It's just like humbling in that way of like, oh, just you kind of have to in process like, ooh, ooh, I could be better. I could be a better person. Oh, absolutely. I I was downloading all that stuff and, and other stuff I can't even speak to. It's so crazy. Yeah. But it does feel like mushrooms want you to be like a better person. Whatever yeah, that means. Or, or I want to be a better person. Yeah, and the, and the mushroom helps uh, me get there, you know. Because like showing you different things. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah, see showing that. me stuff I would I should deal with, and like I knew it when I was going through it that it was temporary, and I just needed to go through it. It felt eternal, but I like I knew I, I took something, and that it was temporary. And I even kept saying to you, I'm like, yo, Cass, in like an hour, I'm gonna be on fire. And seriously, I haven't caught a, an afterglow high like that. Since like the first time we took mushrooms, yeah, that's why I what had the best night and the best next day, just fucking feeling great. That's what you kind of have to remind yourself on the come up when things are feeling really gnarly. Yeah, and you're feeling like really like, you know, is that like you're feeling this bad because you're getting really high, and when you feel get this high and go this low and get this scared and whatever, like. It will balance out. Yeah. You know, you're going to earn wanting to dance all night, you know, and like when you can stand up after acid because you spent the first like, you know, three hours of the come up like this, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, and everything's sparkly and you're like, I earned this motherfucker. Yeah. I earned this high. Yeah. You know, I looked at the shit. I looked at the shadow. I mm. saw the shadow and I decided to laugh in the face of the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> and have a great fucking time mm. and live it up and 
and know that all I can do is be here in this moment with the people I love and do my best. And that's what I'm going to do. Well, well, that's what coming out of all this is going to feel like for us collectively. The collective is going to experience um, an afterglow of, of just feeling like endless possibilities. Like how we felt after that mushroom trip is I feel like how the collective is going to feel coming out of this. Like we're going through something. We are really fucking going. We're watching our friends and neighbors die, be sacrificed in mm. mass to keep an economy going. We're, we're, you know, it's it's fucking crazy. We are, everything's exposing itself. Every fucking bad actor and nefarious vibe is coming up to the surface for us all to see. And yeah, people are confused about what to make of it, but we're going to get less and less confused. We're going to come out the other end of it. And I feel like just we have a real opportunity to change things. And that's what you do after you do mushrooms, right? We've changed our life because of mushrooms and because of the hell they've put us through. And we don't want to be back in that position. So what impurities came up to the surface and how can I deal with them? First time it was stop fucking fucking with animals and eating them and get closer with your family, you know? They're, they're your tether to this planet. They're your people. Be good to them. You know, get closer to them. Enjoy them while they're here. And um, I think we could collectively come out of this with, with very similar type of very obvious, here's what we what we need to do collectively to make sure that we don't end up in that level of suffering again. Let's take care of each other. Let's house each other. Let's feed each other. And that's what actually can make you feel good. Like, those are the things that make you feel good. And I think once we, like, reassess our values and, like, what makes us feel good as people, like, and, and we change our reward systems of, mm -hmm. like, like, collecting ducats isn't what makes you feel good. Being generous is what makes you feel good. If we can, like, understand, like, we're smart enough to get that and mm -hmm. then do something about it because we want to feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be generous because it makes you feel good. Hoarding makes you feel bad. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're in a scarcity mindset. And when you're generous, you know, it's like, and and you have to kind of, you go through the moments where you act scarce because you have to remi remind yourself how that feels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, can, you know, when it happens, you know. Oh, yeah. It's so fun forgetting because then you remember. And I think, yeah, as Virgo season comes, we're, you know, going to be reassessing things and getting organized and getting a little more serious. And, like, I welcome that. I think that's mm -hmm. a really fun time. And, uh, yeah, it's all a party. Yeah, Enjoy man. the process. <laughs> it's all a party. Enjoy the process. <laughs> it's all a process. It's all progress. Yeah. 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 So, um, believe it or not, we're going to do another episode. I feel like we just hit our flow towards the end of this, and we've already been doing this for like an hour and 15, so. Okay. We're going to hop on to the Patreon now, or are we hopping on to the YouTube now, or what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? You know, at first I thought this would be a Patreon episode, but I think we could put this one out on YouTube. Okay. And then um, now that we have our words about us and we feel a little bit looser and lighter, I think uh, we'll hop over to the Patreon. Okay. And we could talk more about this project, I think, without feeling weird about it. Okay. Uh, so please join us there. Um, there's lots. We, we have lots going on there. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. Buy a Church of Chill shirt. They're really cool. My favorite shirts. Yeah. 
We actually don't even have that many left right now. So Yeah, get them while we still have them. Yeah. Uh, thank you again. Peace, love, and magic.